Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women, Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Serenity Gorokov, your host, and today we have the honor of having Kelly Boyer join us. Kelly Boyer is a psychosomatic energy practitioner and transformational coach who specializes in trauma and mental health recovery. She works with clients all over the USA and globally. Having a Master of Arts degree in Psychology and Program Design, a Bachelor of Arts degree in Human Development, and certification in Integrated Somatic Parts work, much of her professional experience has been helping those who have experienced trauma and mental health challenges understand the mind-body connection to reach their recovery goals. Kelly guides and supports individuals in discovering their own innate ways of healing through intuitive and medium-shape insights, as well as quantum energy therapy. Kelly's biggest teacher has been through her own trauma, abuse, and mental health struggles. It was during these most difficult times that she discovered her gift of healing and wanted to help others heal. And this is what we're going to talk about today on Real Talk, Real Women, Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. Because the most important thing we can do to help a traumatized person heal is to break the silence because the first thing that an abuser does when he or she abuses you is to say, if you say one thing, you'll be dead. Mm -hmm. Something close to that. And you believe that because you are already completely traumatized, completely discombobulated, totally out of your normal state. And you believe that because you are in that vulnerable state. And by believing that, you contribute to your own trauma, eating you from the inside. This is why we have this conversation today. Kelly, the stage is yours. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything that you said, especially when you have an abuser that says, if you tell anybody anything, you know, you know, I'm going to do this. And sometimes it's not even a matter of what they're going to do to you personally. They start threatening the people that you just love so much. And you know that if they're capable of doing this to me, they're absolutely capable of doing that to someone else. So you're absolutely right. What happens is, is we take it all inside. We start trying to protect it and we think our silence then protects everyone else. And uh, it's a, it becomes a, a difficult world, a world of chaos and security, not knowing what's going to happen from the next second to the next second. And it is very much living in fear. You're in a constant state of fear. Um, and what happens within that trauma is you start to disassociate. You start to pull apart your mind and body. You literally start to separate as a form of survival. And then that's just how you live. And it just really disconnects who you are. I really feel that it starts to disconnect who you are from your soul and who you like who what your uh what your authentic self is and once that separation occurs even after you are able to get out of the abuse trying to put those back together 
is really hard and it takes a lot of healing. Um, it, it's difficult and I tell you, I've experienced it. I experienced it from the time I was a child all the way into adulthood and it's, it's hard. It's hard to live. It really is. Because we have that trauma and law of silence waiting on us. And the fact of opening up the leads and starting to say and to tell those absolutely horrific things. And sometimes it's a perception of an event. Sometimes it's not even a fact, but it's a perception. It's an experience in someone's understanding. Especially when we are kids, we had a totally different reading of the room. Reading of the people, reading of intention, might not be true, yeah. or might not be confirmed by the other person. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and you know, as, as a child, you you know, you're still learning. You're still learning about who it is um, that you're going to become. So you're really looking for. I call it the mirrors that are on the outside. What mirror do I connect with? And then you feel like that's what you become. So when it's in your home life, in your in, within your house, you don't know anything else. You, you know, you go out there and you think, well, relationships with people are supposed to be like this. You know, I've been, like I'm supposed to feel fearful every day. I'm supposed to worry about the things that I say and maybe the things that I do. And is that other person gonna react in an explosive or violent way? And when you're conditioned into those patterns as a child, you then, as you move into adolescence and young adults, and then as you continue to move through your adulthood, you take those patterns with you. And because they're so, because they're ingrained inside of you, that's exactly what you start to reflect out into the world. And then that's what you attract. And you don't know any different. You know, you develop that as a child. You you don't understand um, until uh, really until there's until you get almost like that little bit of space to say, wait a minute, this is not how life is. This is not how I need to be treated. And uh, if it is in that little moment when you take advantage of that, that's when you're that's when you when you're really stepping into your own empowerment and all it takes is just a little bit but you have to be able to take that step and that step is so hard um and it really is about what you explained about the silence right we we in society as women have been taught to um not be able to express the things that we want not to be able to express the things um of how we feel and so we really do take that idea of silence very serious because when we start to express that, uh, we don't know how people are going to react. Or because we take abuse and we push it under the rug, and we've been doing this for years, that when you start to share your story about your trauma, it's almost like the other person doesn't even know how to take it. So the easiest thing is to push it under the rug, which then only confirms or supports that idea of silence and that 
And it's really in our silence where it becomes very dangerous. We need to express that. We need to let it out. We need to let people know, like, this is not okay. And uh, it, and like I said, like, I, I suppressed stuff for years, years. I suppressed stuff. And, you know, even as I got older and I started dating, I attracted relationships that were abusive because I didn't know any better or, or even more so, I didn't think that I deserved better because that's what I was being taught as a child. And then even as I started going into like the professional world, I was attracting those type of abusive relationships in my workplace and thought, well, this is like, this is normal. Like I deserve to be berated. I deserve to be um, talked to like I'm some sort of sexual object. Like this is, this is what's normal. And, um, and it's hard to distinguish between what is normal and what it, and what event, because you just don't know any different. And man, that's a hard life to live. Jeez, when you are experiencing that side of life, which is 100% attracted to you, by you, because you are the attraction for it, but because during the time you are growing up, you are being crushed to grow. Instead of elevated to grow. And yeah. because that happens, you still grow, but with some sort of abnormal or unhealthy behaviors. Mm -hmm. And you don't know any better. This is the weirdest thing of all. Even though we all have almighty powers of becoming, having, and doing everything we may want, which is still true, and sometimes there is some limitation. We find creative ways around those limitations. Uh, there is still, we grew up in a certain way and breaking doors, deep-rooted patterns, habits, thoughts, beliefs that we have just gathered throughout our childhood, teenage, beginning of adulthood, and even today, even today, we keep on attracting a situation and reading it in a way, giving meaning to it in a way that can be harmful for ourselves. So, Carrie, I we, we start to understand a little bit about your life story. Can you give us a, a draft of your life, lifeline, lifetime? Yeah. You overcome. What, what is your experience to talk from experience? Uh, so, like I said, from a very young age, I started experiencing abuse. In the beginning, it was physical, it was emotional, and it was mental abuse. I never experienced any sort of sexual abuse that didn't come from my family. That wasn't until my adult years that I started experiencing actual sexual abuse. But... As a child, I grew up in a home where I was very much the black sheep. I was very free-spirited. I was very independent. I really saw the like the, the lens of life with just a lot of joy and happiness. 
But when you live in a home where you have a mother who's a narcissist, <laughs> you know, that stuff's not going to fly with her because there has to be that sense of control over you all the time. Uh, so that's what started happening. When I saw life with joy, my mom made sure to literally suck that out of me. Uh, and that really started at an early age. Like my, my fondest memory was at the age of four when it was interesting because um, as, as a young child, as a very intuitive child, but it like at the age of four, I remember um, without going into all of the abusive and kind of gruesome details, there was an incident that happened uh, that was actually triggered by my brother. And not only did I experience like the full gamut of like physical abuse, but even after that, there was a lot of emotional and mental manipulation. And it was almost like at that point was when the light bulb turned on and I was like, oh, I have to do things differently. I can no longer be who I'm supposed to be, how I came into this world. I have to start changing and transforming into this other person. So it was almost like through my childhood years as I continued abuse because I was never good enough at anything. If I made any friends, uh, I was just going to quote unquote screw up those relationships. Why would they like me anyway? Um, I went through like with my mother, if she, there was something she didn't like. Si like you want to talk about silent treatment. It was literally like I didn't exist for months. Until she decided it was time for me to like basically be back in her life. So I really started learning like, oh, I have to be someone else to try to get this love that of course I never ever got. So it was like I was always just trying and trying, trying to please, trying to make her happy. Uh, but it was, it was difficult. Like I literally, when I think about the child that I came in as, and then the child that I morphed into, entirely two different people. And so at the age of four, it was like, that's when it really hit me. And then also my brother is identical to my mom. So that was when I realized, oh, my mom, my mom really, really likes who this person is that my brother is. I do not have any gene or any DNA in my body to be a narcissist. So I realized what I had to do was then I also had to cater to the abuse that was from my brother. Wow. And, um, you know, the actual physical abuse ended and that really came more from my dad. He was a screamer and a yeller. Um, in the early age, he was abusive. But then it was like, at the, at the age of 10, the physical abuse stopped. But the all but the mental and the emotional abuse continued. And sometimes, and of course, this is my opinion, I believe that mental and emotional abuse can be way more damaging than physical abuse. Physical heals. Mental and emotional stays, create that deep-rooted, those deep-rooted wounds that you have to work on and go through i call it, like i call call it going to meet your shadow and going through that shadow to really start to heal that and that can be scary but um so 
anyways, as I continue my story, you know, I got into when I became a teenager, that mental and emotional abuse became uh, even more intense. Because now I'm going into my teenage years, right? And it's during those years that you really starting to discover who you are. And any time that I would start to gravitate back to the original authentic me, the abuse intensified. So it was almost like I was playing this game of just going back and forth. And I didn't really know who I was. And then again, um, even in, you know, boyfriends or even in friendships, a lot of them were abusive. A lot of them would put me down, really just, it would, they were just awful. But I never let them go because I was like, well, this is what love is. This is what I know love is. You treat me like like I'm the worst person in the world is telling me that you love me, which is obviously not true. And then, of course, as I got into young adulthood, uh, the abuse with my family, the mental and emotional just continued. It was like every time I reached a step or like would move up, you know, you go from child to adolescent to young adult into adult. It was just like the abuse would would it would intensify. And uh, and control, so much control. If you do this, then I will not do this for you. Or if you need this from me, you have to do A, B, and C. So there was yeah, no, yeah, so much control. So then, of course, that led into uh, my dating relationships, and that's when um, I I really feel like that's when the idea of abuse started to sink into my head although I didn't obviously I kept drawing those patterns and um, those people to me but that's kind of when I would say that I really started to get an idea of what abuse was and uh, you know I experienced abuse from where it may just be verbal abuse to literally being dumped out of a car next to a dumpster in the middle of the worst part of LA almost beaten to death and wondering if I'm going to live if I'm going to survive this god that's hard that is hard I mean I yeah and I like in LA for uh eight years from 2014 to 20 end of 22 and uh, we have seen those dumpsters, we have seen those situations, and it's just, and nobody's able to stop to help you. No, because, and you know, one of the reasons they do that, like, so for me, obviously, like, my clothes were, like, ripped, but my face didn't even look like my face. <laughs> you know, you were, you're saying, you're laying there with, like, broken ribs, like, you know, all this stuff that has, like, happened to you, right? But, um, without naming names, the person who did this to me would always take my shoes because you take my shoes and I have no other way to go. All I can do is walk barefoot. And I know that it probably sounds very crazy, but you know, do you want to walk barefoot in the middle of LA on glass, on rocks? Do you know what I mean? So it was almost like, uh, <laughs> Like, to me, that was the most torturous part, to take my shoes away. And, like, why? I don't know. Crazy, but I'll never forget that. My shoes were gone. So, you know, kind of long story short, 
to kind of go back to this experience, I'm walking in the middle of LA in the worst part of town. I do, I, you know, my shoes are gone. My clothes are ripped. I look like I'm a home, a homeless person, which not people, not many people stop to help homeless. And, you know, and emotionally I'm torn up. My brain is mentally is out of control. So even when I talk to somebody, it was almost like they believed that I had some sort of mental health challenge or a form of like schizophrenia because I was just so, um, I was just so out of control because that's what it does to you because you're starting, to, you're wanting to survive. So, um, so that's just a, I'm like one of the many experiences that I had. Just give us the happy ending of that story because it's awful and you look absolutely splendid today. So, so I was thinking come out of that. So yeah, that resolve. So, um, so I mentioned that, um, that as a child, I was very intuitive and I remember laying there, uh, you know, the first thought in my head was, oh my gosh, I'm going to die here. And nobody will even know that I'm here. Like no one will even know that I'm gone. And I remember laying there. Um, and of course I, like, I just started asking angels. I'm like, just help me. Like, please don't tell me like, this is how my story ends. There's got to be something more. Like there's got to be purpose in this darkness. Right. Um, so I remember I would like, I was just kind of like all of a sudden I got this energy to like stand up <laughs> and I did, I started walking and, you know, as cars were driving by me, people were ignoring me. Um, one of the things that I kept asking my angels, I'm like, just, just please just bring me like an earth angel. Just bring me somebody who is going to care. And sure enough, out of the blue, this lady stops. And she didn't even say, can I help you? I'll never forget this. What she said is, I'm here to help you. And <laughs> when I think about those words, right, I think if somebody would have stopped and said, can I help you? Because I was in, because of that abuse, you don't trust anybody, right? I probably would have immediately said, no, no, I'm fine. But the fact, the way that she stopped and she said, I'm here to help you, it was like I knew that this was my lifeline. And I, I, I got in her car. She asked me where I needed to go. I told her where I needed to go. And of course, I didn't go to my parents' house because anytime that I was in so, some sort of abusive relationship and I would come home um, with a, anything that appeared to be abuse, it was my fault. I deserve that. So I wasn't going to go home. And I did go end up going to a friend's house who I trusted. And I literally lived there at her, her tiny, teeny, tiny apartment for a month until everything healed up, you know, and even like, I still tried to go to work. I, I would put on like the war paint of what I called it, like the face makeup to hide everything so that nobody could see. I got really good with makeup, but that lady that I like, I still remember her face. I remember what she looks like. And I truly believe that she, I truly believe she was an earth angel came and picked me up. She didn't ask me any questions because when you're like, after that happens, you don't want questions. Cause half the time, just 
from a physiological standpoint, our brain will black out what happened. She didn't ask me any questions. She just talked to me like I was a human again. And truthfully, it was in that moment that I really, I want to say that I really started thinking, well, wait a minute. This is not how my life is. Like this is all of this is not okay. There's got to be something better. And uh, I really started to step onto that healing journey. It's it's not that I healed in over overnight because it took it took many years after that. But I was now on that path of knowledge of what and how I'm supposed to be treated and what type of people I'm supposed to be around and that I have a voice. So it was, yeah. So I, that was probably my biggest nightmare. <laughs> um, the most transformative experience ever. The day you hit rock bottom. The day your entire life, you made the decision, the inner decision that shaped the entire next part of your life you you know i have to say i've never shared that story with anyone well and a lot of people are hearing it <laughs> yeah like i've never shared shared that with anyone um and it it's you know and it feels good to also step into that empowerment of saying hey this is what happened i was able to over to overcome this so um Really, when I I want to say when I really stepped into my shoes of empowerment, uh, I'm going to give away my age here because it was about four years ago. I was I was like I was about 42, and um, you know, and we had a family matter that involved my brother, my mom, and my dad, and it was really an explosive thing that happened with my brother. He was living with me. He was abusing me. He was abusing my son. Like. Oh, so awful. And my parents, same pattern, never believed anything that I said. And so we had, so there was an explosive moment that happened. And it was so interesting because I tried to do what I like, what everyone does. I'm just going to walk away, just let it simmer. It'll be okay. And I attempted to do that. And my brother was not going to let me do that because he was on that abusive role. And it was like all of a sudden something just clicked and I was like, no, I don't need this anymore. And I began to fight back, not physically, but like hold my own. And of course that blew up because now I'm saying, no, you're not doing this to me. So long story short, I had contacted my parents. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And they started coming after me. And normally I would start to back down. I would be like, okay, all right. I will try to fix it. Something that's not for me to fix. And I didn't do that. There was not one ounce in my bones that said, oh no, it's time to back down. It's time to be silent, right? Oh no. I went right back at them. And um, I, unfortunately, it, I'm no longer... Um, in touch with them. That was the last conversation that I had with them. My mom told me I was no longer part of the family and hung up on me. But the minute she hung up on me, there was this sense of pure relief. I was freed. I was just, I was just freed from this 
42 years of torture and I have no regret. Not one. I mean, all of us hearing you, hearing your story are rooting for you, cheering you up. You can hear the entire crowd oh, standing on the ship because it is, we totally, all of us, and I speak on behalf of the audience, all of us fully, completely understand, relate, and admire you and understand the relief of being freed up by a deputy family. Now, freed up. Sometimes it can be the most heartbreaking things to hear. Yeah, you are not my son or you are not my daughter anymore. And sometimes it's actually, oh, that means that I am free, right? People that I can beat my life the way I want. Um, well, you know, when she, I remember when she said that, right? You know, I, I mean, I was sitting there going, I should be devastated about this. But the thought that came into my mind was, but I was never your daughter to begin with because a family that loves and supports and cares, and I'm talking about loves unconditionally, would never treat their daughter in that way. I was, I was your possession. I was your property. I was something because you didn't make me feel like a person. I was something that you controlled. Yeah. And um, that's, I mean, that's really harsh to think that way. But the truth is, is that that's the truth. When you're in an abusive relationship, you are not a person. You are a thing to that person. And I didn't want to be a thing anymore. I wanted to be a person with a value, you know, with empowerment, with with beauty and just love. Like, I want to, to be that person. And if you're not going to treat me like that, then we cannot have a relationship, any kind of relationship. That's yeah. It. Oh, God. Thank you for having overcome all of that. Thank you for having learned and studied psychology, program design, human development, integrated somatic arts work. All of that, on top of all the other skills that you have, connecting with the angels, with the spiritual realm and everything, that makes you an absolute trusted healer and guide. Thank you. Well, you know, there is there. I'm going to say there is beauty that comes out of darkness. And that was part of my beauty. You know, I didn't want others to feel how I felt inside. Like I wanted people to see how amazing they were. I wanted them to see their own value. So that really led to my intensive study of psychology. I wanted to learn about human behavior, really with a focus on trauma. Like, how do we help these people heal? And that, and you know, and that's where it's brought me today. And, and there was a common theme in all of that when we talk about trauma, and it was that body-mind or mind-body disconnection. And you can't really know who you are or really value your own value until you have the mind-body center. Like when that comes together, I mean, it's powerful. 
And so that's one of the things that I do that I do today with people. I do like, you know, you attract what you put out there. So a lot of the people that I attract have been through all kinds of traumas, all different types of traumas. And every time I talk to them, they are talking to me like they're separate. Their body, they're ignoring their body, which tells everything. And then their minds are completely disconnected. And sometimes it's almost like I'm talking to the two different people. And I'm like, we need to bring this together. We need to bring this together so that you can, first of all, love yourself so that others can love you the way that you want to be loved. And so I do a lot of that work. Um, I do do a lot of energy work um, because it's in that energetic space of just pure potential energy it's untapped it's unconditional where we can really work in that in that area and so i really just try to bring those two together that mind and body and i and i'll be honest it's not really me doing the work i'll bring all the support i'll bring the army of angels the guides whatever we need i will bring all of them to support you but really what i want to do is um First, show people that they can do it and then just guide them on how to do it so that when you are done with me, you can do this for the rest of your life. And that's really what my goal is, is I just want people to see that they can heal themselves and that they are supported, that there are a lot of women out there that want to support women that have been through all all kinds of traumas and they're not alone. And that's the most important is letting them know you are not alone. Like I am here for you. I will hold that sacred space, that container for you so that you can heal. You are not alone. And um, that was one of the things from childhood up until I finally broke myself free. I always felt alone. I just felt like I was trapped in my own prison and alone. And I never want any woman to feel that they're alone, no matter, you know, no matter how big or small the trauma is, trauma is trauma and your body doesn't know anything different. And I just want women to know that there are so many of us out there that are saying, we've got you. How can people reach out to you, Kelly? Bollier, B-O-Y-E-R. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what's best name. Why that boy er okay how should people reach out to you so uh it's very easy you can find me at kellyboyer.org is how you can find me uh my facebook is the same it's at kellyboyer.org or if you even just want to connect with me on instagram it is kellyboyer.org with the underscore but Okay.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.org.
let's say, 2033, someone is listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> want her to find you. So make sure to keep me updated so that I update the description. I will. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. And you know, just, I just, again, I just want women to know you're not alone. You can do this. And you know what? Um, as, as allow that fear to push you to the other side to say, I deserve more than this. Uh, like, I want to love myself in the best and highest way possible. And know that as soon as you say that, you're going to have, uh, you know, I like I said, I'm all I'm a firm believer of spiritual support. The angels have helped me through a lot of things. You're going to have those angels on your side and they're going to they will start helping you. Absolutely. This is true. You know, the day I left and I fled, actually, I escaped domestic violence. It was the middle of the night. And I had no idea where to go. I had no destination. I had no plan. I was just done beyond done, followed my intuition, followed God's voice and left. There was nothing there. And actually what I asked the angels was to put on me a invisibility coat so that nobody, nothing could actually see me, perceive me or interact with me until I reach the address that popped up to mind and turning around like a GPS. Okay, we went there, there, there. And I walked two hours to get at that address that I knew would probably be the right one and happened to be my today third last and fifth husband. But I didn't know that at that time. Oh. And I didn't know that. Ooh, it, that is like God direction. Mm-hmm. divine intervention that we ask and allow I allow invisibility and protection no. you did ask and allow an earth angel to help you okay I am the earth angel I'm here to help you and boom <laughs> yeah how cool is that you know and I always like when I always think about this or when I hear other people's stories their amazing stories of their transformation of getting out of abuse I I just think in my head you cannot make this thing make any of this up like it is divinely guided and all you have to do is just say I I need help I I'm willing to take it just just guide me and then just go yeah oh and this is true. When I was after I, I, I found Sasha, a few hours later, the only thing that was available to help me at a, at a suicide mental level, because I was at the level of suicide in my mind at that moment in time, was to actually bring me to the psych ward, to the mental facility of the general hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I went there, it was the very first and unique time I said, I need help, but I had no idea how help would look like. Mm-hmm. And what came to me as help was immediate, urgent housing with three meals a day, warmth, bed, shower, and a phone with access, so I had to have the phone number in my memory, in my mind memory, not phone, because I didn't have any phone with me, I didn't take that with me. And so 
also a phone and also the next day they brought me a notebook and a pen so that I could start to journal and heal. Yeah. And it have filled that up in two days, the entire journal. Everything that was going on. Everything that I experienced, all the story, all the so recent trauma at that moment in time. Yeah. And it took, of course, its course to heal. Of course, many good things continued. And uh, I think it was a few months later when I was really like, okay, now we're good. Then we started to look at each other. So are we more than just like... <laughs> <laughs> It's possible, and now I'm really free. Stole the possibilities. You know, and it's so beautiful because you know the angels, God, whatever was divinely leading you, led you to a man, a person with such a beautiful soul to say you can be loved the way that you deserve. And I think that's so beautiful, you know, whether it, you know, whether it's somebody that becomes a friend, a confidant, um, you know, a boyfriend or a husband, it's like, it's just, it's just beautiful to me that you can be led to that and really, and you know, here, okay. So this is really what the beautiful part is, is that when you look into them, you truly see your like your magnificent soul like you begin to see yourself of how you're meant to be and to me that i like that's the most important thing is just to have somebody reflect back to you who you are and your story gives me chills because i think that's beautiful and uh I don't even know what else to say. It's just so amazing to just be able to to have that, you know. And so in my mind, I'm like, your husband is an earth angel. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, gosh, an earth angel. One hundred percent. How yeah. many times can I see his spiritual higher sense acting out in his physicality, in his humanness? It's like such a gift. And having him as my third, last, and dream husband. Uh, that has taught me how to increase my worth. Mm-hmm. Because actually, after years, because the first years, I can tell you, it was not good. Because I was not there in my own healing. Because we met at the moment of the breakup with that domestic violence. The mindset had still a lot to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. And for years, I was not even able to see him for who he is as a person. I was able to receive his love and his support and his, and his, his sacrifice. He sacrificed his entire life in Switzerland to move with me over to California first to allow us to put as much distance as possible with my two violent ex-husbands and to be in the land of opportunity, United States, of course, so that I can become and be all that I want without being uh, having that enclosed mindset of 
expectation of society may have in Switzerland. Oh, and that. And that sacrifice is still costing him a lot today. We are on the process of we are still in the process of making it better, but it's still costing him a lot today because he still has those gorgeous dreams that are happening. I can tell you, they are happening. <laughs> but always slower than we would like. Which is amazing. But we are really doing things together. Building life together. We have been now together for 10 years. And, oh, we, and we continue because it's just in the fall. That's so wonderful. Oh, I love hearing that. And you know what? When you share those types of stories, women who are in the middle of their domestic violence, it every time it brings them hope. I feel like even when they say, like, I want that, like, that it's opening up that hope that oftentimes gets so crushed. <laughs> oh, yeah. So crushed. And so I feel like, um, I feel like anytime you can even plant a mustard seed of hope within a, on a, a woman's heart, yes. that mustard seed has the ability to just expand, 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 and really just bring you, um, just bring you what you need. So I love it. I love that you're doing this. Um, I'm so glad that you've created a forum for women to say, this is me. This is what's happened to me, and I want it to stop. Exactly. And you're giving you're giving us an opportunity to have that voice that has been suppressed for so long, and it's an amazing thing. So thank you so much. Uh, such it is truly a blessing. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's gonna make me emotional because I'm like finally. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to you. It's to being a part of it and to be part of the book as well. Aligning you with Victory, we are going to publish it shortly. It's happening. It's happening. Summertime 2023. It's done. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay, Lily, thank you again. And we talk again very, very soon. All right. Thank you so much. I enjoyed today. Thank you for allowing me to share, uh, you know, those, those pieces of me that, you know, still get stuck in there and I don't want to let them out because I'm scared. But thank you for allowing me to do that today. So much healing for me today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Thanks, That's Gemma. Great. Thank you so, so much. I'm so grateful. All right. I will talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Soon. Thank you.